0: We'll hear argument next in case 11338, Decker versus Northwest Environmental Defense Center and Georgia Pacific versus the Northwest
1: Environmental Defense Center. Mr. Bishop? Thank you, Mr. Pe- Chief-, Chief Justice, and may it please the court. There is a straightforward ground for reversal here that rests on a standard application of deference principles to EPA's treatment of stormwater. Well,
0: before before we get into that, congratulations to your clients thank on you. getting almost all the relief they're looking for on the under the new rule issued on Friday. Thank and you. thank you for calling it to our attention.
1: Thank you. The problem uh, with that rule is that um, it puts into place uh, something that EPA has been telling the courts throughout this litigation that in the stormwater rule where EPA refers to standard industrial classification 2411, uh, that what it is referring to is solely the four identified point sources in the silver cultural rock crushing and so on. Uh, In this case, NEDC respondent argues uh, that the statute, the language of the statute, which is that discharges that are associated with industrial activity must have uh NPDES permits uh prevents EPA from doing that. But there was it. no
2: ruling in the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals did not rule on the statute whether the statute mandates that these uh logging roads become.
1: No, it did not. So, so, that is an argument that respondents have made in
2: this... And court. so that's not um, a point that this court re- could resolve in the first instance.
1: Uh, I, well I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. The, um, uh, the, uh, uh, respondent can defend its judgment on grounds other than those that were, um, uh, that were the basis of the Ninth Circuit decision.
2: Yes, you can do that, but this court is a court of review, not first view, and we don't Take questions that haven't been aired below.
1: Well, there's an additional reason why we don't think that the rule here moots um, moots the issue. Let, let's assume uh, that there's a petition for review. I think that's a fairly safe safe assumption. Uh, that uh, some environmental groups argue that the new rule is impermissible because it's at odds with the language of the language of the statute. An argument that I think is is near frivolous, but that I think will be uh, predictably will be made. Uh, the rule is prospective. What we have is a judgment from the Ninth Circuit that says that we were in violation uh, for decades by not having permits. Uh, and well,
0: but it's, it's an unusual situation yes. for us to rule in a case where the issue has ongoing significance, and that's taken away, and what we would be doing is when there is a new rule, we would be considering quite a lot of difficult issues to determine what the old rule was, so that you can unravel what the Ninth Circuit has upheld.
1: Well, uh, uh, let me argue. Uh, I let thought me, let that me case pre- law was Maybe. fairly
3: clear that um, when the EPA changes its rules in your favor, that um, they can't. The court can't impose penalties for a past violation.
1: Well, I, I wish it were so clear. So, certainly we think that that is the case. What they have asked for uh, below is penalties, attorney's fees, and remediation of environmental harm. Now, now, we think that under Laid Law, they shouldn't be able to get any of those three things. Now, this only happened on Friday, so I can't claim that I've done complete research on, on the point. But, it, uh, you know, I do think that, uh, that there doesn't appear to be any law on the application of Laid Law uh, to um, a claim for a mediation.
0: Is this a, is this a, a new rule that they — I, too, haven't had much of a chance to look at it, but is this a new rule or is it an amendment of the existing rule?
1: It's an amendment of the existing rule, but what it does is to put into place into the rule exactly what EPA has been saying throughout this litigation. There is nothing new in the rule. So this is something that EPA has been saying in the litigation and that we think is entitled to our deference uh, as a result of that. Now it's in the rule so it gets, it gets Chevron deference. Are you sure you want but what you're
0: asking for? What if we go ahead and decide this case and rule against you?
1: Well, uh, we're, uh, we're hoping that you rule, you rule with us. And certainly on the basis of this rule, on the That's basis of this rule, you have to understand that their challenge to this rule is the claim that, um, the the words associated with industrial activity must be interpreted by EPA to include, uh, harvesting activities and the, uh, the, the moving of the logs out of the harvest area. Now, That's I
0: suppose that your clients and others similarly situated, where uh, I, I, I guess it would be the uh, respondents, can challenge the new rule, right? Yes. So, so you would have simultaneously pending a case involving the interpretation of the old rule and a challenge to the new rule, right. each of which would have the same issue.
1: And this Court can cut through all of that by deciding this case, uh, which the simplest way to decide this case is under the stormwater rule. Uh, If the Court decides this case in our favor under the stormwater rule, then that will preclude a large part of the basis for the challenge to the new rule. It's squarely in front of this Court. Uh, Mr. Fisher has made the argument here. Um, uh, The stormwater rule is squarely here. Congress completely revamped the Clean Water Act's approach to stormwater in 1987. And it made clear that as the default, point source stormwater is regulated by the states with NPDES permits required only for discharges that are associated with industrial activity and a few other categories. And those statutory terms, industrial activity and associated with, are both ambiguous. And with those words, Congress left EPA with discretion to determine what activities count as industrial and is in keeping with dictionary definitions for EPA to have categorized activities like law, banking, retail, agriculture, and silviculture is non-industrial.
4: But, Mr. Bishop, as as Justice Ginsburg said, that question was not decided below. And in the context of this case, which, of course, was very different when it was briefed, Mr. Fisher spent a grand total of two pages, and rightly so. It wasn't — it was — it was not the main issue in the case then. So would we really be doing um, something, you know, good practice to decide this issue? without really any briefing on it and without a decision below
1: well i think there is briefing on it i mean both parties have briefed it it gets two pages because it's uh, a near frivolous
4: argument under the under the case law i think but um well, that's, the fact know, really is if you don't there it's two pages because it wasn't decided below and because and because uh, the, the the question in the case was very different with a different regulation you
1: know the issue is before this court if this court doesn't decide the issue then we go back we have to fight for years about remedies, about the appropriateness of remedies for this adjudicated past violation uh, under laid law. Laid law has some very complex law that's developed. You wouldn't
2: have to do anything under if the Court vacated the decision below. Then you wouldn't be well, facing anything.
1: Obviously, if the Court held the case was moot, then we'd like the the vacator. Uh, but in addition, but there's going to be a challenge if, to the new you rule.
2: entitled to it?
1: Yes, we believe so, we're entitled to vacator.
2: So if you're right we, that you're entitled to it? And we agree with you then there's nothing you don't have anything hanging over your head well what's left what's left at that point
1: is another five or six years of litigation under the new rule on, on an issue that is um briefed in this court before this court and I think relatively easy to decide. Are you ta- which board. issue are you
0: talking about? The industrial activities issue? Or the, the industrial activities complex?
1: issue. I mean, the, the, the rest of this case has become very complex, um, I think, because of, uh, the, you know, the government has raised the Seminole-Rock argument that, that no one's ever heard of before. Mr. Fisher has introduced an argument about whether the 1375B categories, uh, this case falls within those categories, uh, but there's a simple way to decide this case, um, and that is under the stormwater rule. Uh, EPA had the discretion uh, to determine what uh, activities are industrial, and it determined that timber harvesting uh, is not industrial. Uh, it defined immediate access roads in a way that does not cover these these roads, even if it were industrial. Um, and uh, these are terms uh, – the, the term industrial is one that is ambiguous, Uh, The term associated with industrial activity is one that admits of degree. It's like the word minimise.
3: How do we avoid, under your reading, assuming we agreed with you what the rule says, that there's a difference between logging roads and access roads? The other side raises a lot of question about whether these, in fact, are access roads or not. So do do we need to – we we have to reach that – Issue, the
1: public. You don't have to reach that issue because the EPA has decided that the timber harvesting activity is not industrial. Uh, in the rule, uh, implementing a, this rule with a, a, a multi-sector general permit for industrial activity, EPA said, quote, harvesting activities, including loading and initial transport from an active harvest site, are not required to be covered under the stormwater permits. Uh you know, it's been perfectly clear. Uh in when it promulgated the rule, uh, it said that the reference to uh SIC twenty four was a reference to sawmills, planing mills, and other mills. Uh when in the briefs in this case uh, uh it it explained the reference to SIC twenty four eleven, it said by not excluding um SIC twenty four eleven EPA intended to reference only the four categories of silvicultural activities already defined as point sources. So it EPA is so it absolutely we, clear that timber harvesting is not industrial activity and that may not, not get to the associated.
3: It may not be, but um, these are pipes, ditches and channels which the CWA explicitly defines as point sources well, missed, that are not part of the harvesting. By definition they're not. They're you're saying uh, public roads and not access. Roads. Well, remember that the
1: stormwater rule applies to point sources. The default position under the stormwater rule is that point sources do not require NPDES permits. And then Congress said there are certain categories that do, and one of those is uh, discharges that are associated with industrial activity. Uh, EPA has said that under these terms um, uh, uh, associated with industrial activity, industrial activity, neither the timber harvest nor the roads. Uh, The the initial loading and initial transport from an active harvest site are not required to be covered by stormwater permits. Uh, It says in the rule that immediate access roads are the only things that are covered. It explains in the preamble to the 1976 rule that that means on-plant roads that are dedicated for use by an industrial facility, not public roads. These are public roads. These are used by hunters, Fishermen, uh, off-road vehicle enthusiasts, bird watchers, these are fairly heavily trafficked public roads that are used for a few weeks every few decades uh, for logging activities. Um, And so these
5: are not, EPA has been very clear, uh, the sort of... Am I correct or incorrect that a considerable number of these roads, or a significant number of these roads, were built initially by the logging industry? Uh, yes, some, some of them surely, surely were. It's right, so a little hard for you to say that when these were built by the logging industry and presumably maintained, to some respect, by the log, logging industry, to say, oh, well, these are used by hunters and so forth. I, well, I, but I, they are public roads. They're owned
1: by the counties or they're owned by the state. These two particular roads that we're talking about here have been there between 50 and 75 years. Uh, they run by the river. Uh, there's a school bus pull-off on one of them because there are houses by the side of this road. There, these, are, these are quintessential public roads that are used by loggers uh, from time to time. Are they, are they built there? Are there other roads that are built by us? Yes, but they are public roads maintained by us under contracts with the state only during the period when we are using them for, uh, for logging activity and otherwise uh, maintained by the, by the state. Um, so... Uh, The – and uh, uh, we think, to come back to your your initial uh, question, Chief Justice, about whether this can be decided without getting into these other complex issues, um, that uh, you don't have to – if you decide this case under the stormwater rule, uh, it's taking at face value what the Ninth Circuit said, which is the rule itself is not clear – we see the Ninth Circuit set a reference here to SIC 2411, which is logging. We see this reference to immediate access roads. Um, uh, so at, at that point, we, you look at what EPA has said. And EPA's explanation in its 1976 preamble, uh, in its briefs in, in, in this case, are are absolutely uh, clear uh, that there was no intention on EPA's part to cover uh the channel runoff um, alongside these roads.
4: Mr. Bishop, could I, uh, I'm sorry that that I don't understand this well enough yet, but could I understand what's still at stake for you in in the case? Put aside the question of whether the new rule is valid or not, all right? And uh, what what do you have riding on whether the Ninth Circuit's decision is correct at this point?
1: Well, if if there is a vacator so that we don't have to Worry uh, about remedies below. So, which
4: remedies are you worried about?
1: Uh, well, the remedies that we're obviously not worried about uh injunctive relief. We are worried about the relief that uh, they have asked for for past supposed past, past violations, which is penalties, attorneys' fees, and I think the more complex one under the case law is remediation for uh, environmental harm, which the case law just doesn't seem to address under under laid law. Um, so we are worried about uh, those, and uh, principally what we would like to do is to get sorted out once and for all here uh, an argument that otherwise would we'll drag through the courts for the next five or six years under this rule, putting the whole industry uh, into um, uh, uh, a good deal of uncertainty that we think is unwarranted, if I can reserve the remainder of my time.
0: Thank you, counsel. Mr. Stewart.
6: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. On Friday, the EPA Administrator signed a new rule that amends EPA's existing regulatory definition of the term stormwater discharge associated with industrial activity. The new rulemaking specifically disapproves the Ninth Circuit's decision in this case and states explicitly that the only facilities under SIC Code 2411 that are industrial are rock crushing, gravel washing, log sorting, and log storing.
0: Were you as surprised as we were to learn about that final rule?
6: No, we were not.
0: when did you learn that the final rule would be issued on Friday?
6: I learned on Friday morning that the final rule would be issued. I learned on Friday afternoon that the final rule had been issued within five minutes of that time. I alerted counsel for both the petitioners.
0: And you, you had no idea before Friday that this was coming out.
6: I knew that it was a strong possibility I, I knew that it was a strong possibility that it would come out the EPA had issued a notice in September of proposed rulemaking. Uh, there was a notation on OMB's website in early November to the effect that the rule had been transmitted for final approval by OMB. In early November? In early November.
0: Maybe in the future you could let us know when something as definite as that comes. There were 875 pages on the merits briefing in this case, and if we knew that the final rule was imminent, uh, we could have rescheduled the case for April or, or something along those lines.
6: I'm sorry, Your Honor, we, you know, we did explain in the opening brief that the
0: rule had- Oh, I know that there was a proposed rule. Is it your experience that proposed EPA rules become final within a couple of months? Quickly?
6: No, I think — well, I, I think this, this happened more quickly than it usually does, but I, I think we intended respect for the Court's processes rather than disrespect. Obviously, it's suboptimal for the new rule to be issued the Friday before oral argument, but it would have been even worse, I think, from the standpoint of the parties and the Court's decision-making processes if the rule had been issued a week or two after the Court heard oral argument.
0: Well, maybe, and it would have been best if we had known about this in early November.
6: Uh, with, with respect to the impact of the rule on this case, uh, the new rule was not intended to change the meaning of the pre-existing definition, and in our view it renders the case moot. And, and really the point of issuing the new rule- Deal
3: with his points about the exact remedies of attorney's fees and remediation. Why are, why are those moot?
6: Well, I think the question of attorney's fees, if the Ninth Circuit's decision was vacated on the ground that the case would become moot, attorney's fees are available under the Clean Water Act in in citizen suits only to prevailing or substantially prevailing parties. And I don't see any way that respondent could make a claim to be a prevailing or substantially prevailing party when at the end of the day, it got no relief. Now, with respect to questions of remediation and particularly of civil penalties. The the Court in Steel Company and Laidlaw addressed the circumstances under which civil penalties would — could and could not be awarded in citizen suits, and the Court in Steel Company said that in citizen suits, a citizen plaintiff lacks standing to seek civil penalties as a remedy for past violations because the citizen derives no benefit from payment of the penalties into the Treasury. In late law, the Court held that where there is a prospect of recurring violations or ongoing violations, the citizen plaintiff does have standing to seek pen- civil penalties as a deterrent to future illegality.
0: Do you, Are you saying that? The, uh, the private companies would not be liable for civil penalties even though the alleged violation was ongoing at the time of the district court litigation?
6: That's correct. That even if if by the time the, the, the suit was wound up, there was no prospect of an ongoing or future violation because EPA had amended the rule to make clear that the conduct was lawful, there would no, be no future illegality to deter. Well, and, and you, and
0: there, can uh, I stop you just for a moment? EPA made clear that the conduct was not unlawful. We have a new regulation. The fact that they've issued a new regulation doesn't mean that the reading doesn't mean that that's a demonstration that the prior conduct under the old regulation was lawful. I know you've taken the position that it was not, but you've got a Court of Appeals decision saying it was.
6: That's correct. And if we actually had a civil penalty award issued by the District Court in the first instance, it, it might be a more complicated question whether that award should be vacated. But the District Court ruled in the petitioner's favor there was never any civil penalty award. And so- if if the question is, can the district court at some future stage of this case enter a civil penalty award, under laid law, the only justification for that in a citizen suit would be to deter illegal conduct that might be thought to be possible after the civil penalty award was issued. And, and that,
0: that would have to be based on the assumption that the Ninth Circuit decision was wrong.
6: It would not have to be based on the assumption that the Ninth Circuit decision was wrong at the time that it was entered. That is, even if EPA had done something that was explicitly characterized as a change in the law, if EPA had issued a rulemaking that said what petitioners had been doing was unlawful up to this point, but we've decided that it shouldn't be unlawful and, therefore, we're amending the rule to make it legal. If EPA had done that, there would still be no prospect of future illegality, uh, assuming that the rule is taken to be valid, and, therefore, although in a, an epa enforcement action there might be a possibility of getting monetary awards for past misconduct because that's something the government can do the, the citizens only stake in the matter would be to deter future illegality what
7: if what if the rule is held invalid
6: i mean uh, wh-
7: we don't know the answer to that question until this rule is challenged and there is ultimately, uh, I'm sure it will be challenged because their position is that the, uh, this, this rule
6: contradicts the statute. So uh,
7: how, how does that factor into your analysis?
6: It, it certainly is possible that the rule will be challenged, but as, as petitioners has, have emphasized in their brief, and, and we agree, the proper forum for adjudicating challenges to the validity of an EPA regulation is through a suit against EPA based on the administrative record, that is, a citizen suit against the petitioners.
7: I understand that, but my point is, until that suit is, is concluded, you don't know whether there's a
6: possibility of future violation or not, do you? you? You don't know. But I think at this point, the prospect that the EPA rule would be both challenged and vacated is sufficiently speculative that it would be out of keeping with general principles of mootness for the Court to go on to decide the question of what the old rule meant. And really
4: — Is what you said true also of the remediation piece of this? You said that at this point, even if we understand this as a change in law, uh, the plaintiffs would not be entitled to fines. Would they also not be entitled to any kind of remediation?
6: I, I think we would want to study that a little further. The, the general rule certainly is that injunctive re- — the propriety of injunctive relief is def- — Determined on the basis of the law in effect at the co- time of the Court's decision. And under the duly the promulgated rule, once the rule took effect, that, that would be to the effect that the discharges from stormwater runoff are not covered. And an order requiring remediation would be a form of prospective injunctive relief. It would address — is, is
5: it your submission that we should — issue an order of vacating as moot or issue an order for the Court of Appeals to consider whether it's moot?
6: I think either one would be — What is your a, submission? E, I, our preference would be that the Court issue an order of vacating as moot, but it would also be an appropriate decision to, to leave that to the Court of Appeals in the first instance. And, and again, e- EPA's objective in this was to <laughs> obviate the need to decide vexed questions concerning the meaning of the old rule. That is, EPA has — said for nearly 40 years that it doesn't believe that NPDES permits are the appropriate way of addressing the, the dangers to water quality that are posed by these sorts of discharges. I, and
0: I, I, I'm having trouble seeing how we can dismiss it as moot when there would remain pending claims for civil penalties and injunctive relief, which you've already said you want to take a closer look at, and attorney's fees. Now, you seem fairly confident that they'll lose on those, But you you felt pretty confident that you'd win on this. Well,
6: I think the one piece that we would want to take a closer look at is the specific question of remediation for past harm, that is, concrete steps on the ground to undo the results of past discharges. The the other two pieces of it — It seems
4: strange that uh, you would — there would be an order of remediation to undo the results of past discharges when at this point the law going forward is go ahead and discharge —
6: I think that's correct that, it, as I say, we haven't, we haven't specifically focused on this question, but my instinct is that an order of remediation would be an aspect of prospective injunctive relief that would be governed by the general rule that injunctive relief is to be determined under the law at the time of the Court's decisions. But with respect to the other two elements of relief, I think those can be easily dealt with as a matter of law. That is, to the extent that they are seeking an injunction ordering that no further discharges occur without a permit, then clearly the propriety of that sort of injunction would be determined under the new rule and it wouldn't be available. And I think late law is clear that the only basis that a ciz- citizen has for seeking civil penalties is to deter future violations, not to punish it, prior violations. Is,
0: is this something that, in terms of mootness, we should evaluate under the voluntary cessation doctrine?
6: No, I don't believe so, because here the basis for mootness is not that the, de- the defendants in the suit have promised to change their ways. It's that EPA has issued a new regulation to
0: well, Wait, the, the EPA has changed its ways.
6: Well, EPA is, EPA is not the defendant in the case. So even if this were viewed as a change in ways, it wouldn't be voluntary cessation.
0: Thank you, counsel. Mr. Fisher?
8: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. It seems to me, in light of the recent events, that the most appropriate course for this Court is to just simply dismiss this case as improvidently granted, if this court had reached had, had had gotten a cert petition under the circumstances present right now it seems to me there'd be three very strong reasons simply just to deny the petition first of all because epa in its rulemaking on friday afternoon itself says that the ninth circuit decision has cancels out any impact of the ninth circuit decision on the ground moving forward second of all the case is interlocutory imposter remember we're just on a reversal of a motion to dismiss so every argument that's left in the case, in addition to whatever mootness arguments anyone wants to make, which I'll explain why in a moment we would disagree with, can all be made on remand to the Ninth Circuit. And if people are unhappy, or not on remand, but just simply when the case returns, if people are unhappy with those results, they can bring the case back up to this Court. So
0: if and, we do that, if we dismiss as improvidently granted, you still go back and you you get your attorney's fees, you get the civil penalties, you get remediation, because the law governing your case would be the existing ninth circuit opinion.
8: Well if that's where the case ends up when it's over and they bring it back and you deny cert. Well the case but is there's is a much- not,
0: I was just going to say the case is not going to be over if we dismiss no. because as you just
5: said it's interlocutory. But
8: that's my point, yes. Uh and but I want to make one thing very clear. But, but in
5: other words it goes under your view it would go back to the district court? The district court would try all this and as the Chief Justice said this we know what the law of the case is if if, if if the opinion stands
8: well the law of the case would be the point and so, and,
5: so, and so isn't isn't it fairly clear where we know what the district court must do under the court of appeals decision
8: now, all the district court must do under the ninth circuit decision is consider this to be a point source for the reason that justice sotomayor mentioned and that the other side has virtually walked away from that argument anyways it is a piped at your channel it's perfectly obvious we're dealing with point sources here the only question is whether you have covered by the stormwater rules to the extent they're valid and that the district court or the ninth circuit or whoever would consider in the first instance and that could come back to this court but if i might just explain to this court i think it'll help the conversation if i explain exactly what our case looks like going forward Uh, because we have and will maintain a claim for forward-looking relief for two reasons one is for the reason it was mentioned a couple times in the in the beginning part of the argument, because we contend that the new rule simply violates the statute. And we have a right to bring a citizen suit for a violation of the Clean Water Act itself, which is to say the language that requires EPA to regulate is all this uh, associated with industrial activity.
3: So you're disclaiming that you have to go to the Court of Appeals. You think you can bring a citizen suit to challenge the validity of the regulation
8: well i wouldn't put it exactly that way just Sotomayor. what i would say is that we have the power to bring well, we have the right to bring a citizen suit to enforce the act and if there's a regulation that the other side brings up that says we are supposedly says we are exempt from having to get permits our position is that regulation just simply doesn't fall under 1369 b1 for the reasons judge Pryor just Found for the Eleventh Circuit, I sent that up as supplemental authority. But uh, we didn't. It is A, but
2: that, that is the question. The question of what the statute requires was not decided below.
8: Uh, that's correct, Justice Ginsburg. The Ninth Circuit had no need, no reason to reach it because the regulations on stormwater, as then written, were absolutely clear that and, logging and you're, activity, and you're not urging that we reach it. I think the most prudent thing, as I said, is for this court not to reach that and to let as you described, to let a lower court look at it first and to bring it back. But if I can finish my question – or my answer to Justice Sotomayor, the reason why that regulation doesn't require us to go to court of appeals in the first instant and actually lets us proceed on a citizen suit is because the only two subsections of 1369 b one that they have mentioned are subsections E and F. Subsection F deals with EPA decisions, quote, issuing or denying a permit – Well, this decision does neither of those things. Uh, Secondly, it covers EPA actions that set effluent levels or effluent limitations. And again, for the reasons the 11th Circuit just held and other courts have held, this doesn't do that either. So there's nothing in 1369B-1 that stands in our way of bringing a citizen suit to enforce the statute. Um, on those Picker, terms. Why so, would you
4: proceed that way? It's at least arguable that you're wrong on that. I mean, it's a it's a question as to what uh, 1369 does, and you obviously do have the route of direct review. Why don't you proceed that way with respect to the new regulation? Well, I think that what what we'll do is proceed whatever way we can,
8: um, because our, our you know e- either either we're supposed to go directly to the Ninth Circuit or, or any court of appeals, or we're not. And if we are, then we will. And if we're not supposed to go to the Court of Appeals, as we believe a fair reading of the law, I don't think there's any plain text meeting of the law that could go otherwise, uh, then we have — the only way we can do as this so is you think
4: that, the, 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 On your view of 1369, you can't go to the Ninth Circuit. Exactly. That and that's think? what the Eleventh
8: Circuit just held in a case just like this, where there was a p- regulation at issue that exempted certain discharges from the permitting program. And the Eleventh Circuit said case dismissed. You can't bring this directly to us. Uh, so we have, we have an ongoing claim for a violation of the statute, which I can't imagine this Court would want to address in the first instance. We also, it's important to understand, uh, have a second claim. And before I describe that second claim, let me describe overall, just remind the Court what exactly the case is about. The case isn't about, as the other side has, has portrayed many times, all logging roads, all logging roads that may exist in the world or the United States. What the case is about are two very specific kinds of logging roads. One, logging roads that drain themselves by way of pipe ditches and channels. Only the small subset of logging roads that do that. Uh, and second of all, only logging roads used being used for active timber harvesting and hauling, not roads that just happen to be sitting in the forest not being used. But only the small subset of logging roads being used for active timber cutting and harvesting. Active.
7: What does that mean? It means they, under. They, they cut maybe what every every 10 years. Is that active? Well, well. What what about the nine years in between? Are they being actively used? No,
8: Justice Scalia. And so under this, the facts of this case, remember, we're on a motion to dismiss, so when Mr. Bishop says one or two weeks out of whatever, we would like to have a record on that because we don't think that's the reality. But. What what the case, what we say in our complaint is that they have a contract with the State of Oregon to harvest particular areas and use particular roads to access that timber and to take it out. And And the contract actually requires them to use those roads and to maintain their drainage systems. And so our claim, again, just to remind you what our claim is under the statute, is that that harvesting activity can't be thought of in any other way than industrial in nature, and that these roads are associated with that activity. They're designed for that purpose, and they're indispensable to the activity. Uh, Now, we have a second argument, even if the Court thought that we couldn't win, or whatever Court looks at this, thought we couldn't win on the statute, we have a Chevron Step 2 argument uh, that we will make and have every right to make. Um, Because um, if I'll beg this Court's indulgence, if this rule that they have just announced on Friday afternoon is not as clear as you might think. Uh, So if you start with the language of the rule, which is on page 18, what they have done is they've amended they've amended uh, the stormwater rules uh, to to provide that the only industrial activities associated with logging are sawmills which are covered elsewhere and then these four categories of things rock crushing gravel washing log sorting uh, and log storage uh, all, Excuse oh, me,
5: this is page 18, that's, that's the last page? It's page
8: 18, the last page, of at least on, I hope it's, your copy is the same as mine, but on the PDF that, that was sent up to the court.
5: And, and so I'm reading under where it says stormwater discharges?
8: Yes, and if you go all the way to the bottom, sub two, facilities classified under SIC 24. Thank you. And they list those four things. And, and, and then industry group, industry group 242 is the sawmills. Uh, so they're saying those are the only industrial activities that are associated with logging. Um, But that doesn't answer our claim. Our claim isn't that logging roads themselves are industrial activities. Our claim is that logging roads are associated with industrial activities. And so we still have a claim that under that, uh, even if those are the only four industrial activities, or, sorry, five, those four things plus sawmills, we still have a claim that logging roads are, quote, immediate access roads, to those activities and the definition of immediate access roads which is unchanged by the new regulation is it pet app 40a the ninth circuit quoted it and i think it was described earlier by my friend roads which are exclusively or primarily dedicated for the use by the industrial facility so it's still a mystery to us how logging roads are not primarily for use by even sawmills or these other four things and indeed if you look very carefully at EPA's new regulation, uh, in the preamble, on page six, about two-thirds of the way down the middle of the page, the only sentence here that EPA gives us that even suggests a possible response to the argument I just described is the one that begins with the word unlike. They say, unlike immediate access roads associated with industrial activities, many logging roads, many logging roads, have multiple uses, including recreation and general transportation, and commonly extend over long distance, i.e., may not provide immediate access to an industrial site. So EPA is leaving open our argument. EPA is saying, well, logging roads that are just generally recreational, et cetera, uh, are not immediate access but our claim i'm
0: sorry i thought they said that their rules mooted this case
8: well that's what they're standing here today saying but i'm telling you on the language that they gave us on friday it doesn't moot the case and i can't imagine an argument being made on monday that hasn't been prepared in any written form based on a written thing that we got on friday that we have an argument under would moot our case uh, and particularly, Mr. Chief Justice, and this is my point about going through all this, I can't imagine why this Court would want to touch all this uh, in the first instance, particularly without supplemental briefing, but it seems to me to make every sense to let the Ninth Circuit address our argument. Well,
0: if, first. We, if we dismiss as improvidently granted, are, are you suggesting that the Ninth Circuit would then be, the, be a court to consider this? I'm just yes. thinking: if we vacate, perhaps another court will consider it. But if we dismiss as improvidently granted, the Ninth Circuit will quite reasonably think they're done.
8: No, because we have a forward-looking. The first thing we'll tell the Ninth Circuit is,
0: well, I mean, we they're done. They're done in terms of their interpretation of the regulation and the applicable law.
8: I think only as to the backward-looking regulation. But now we have a, our complaint. You know, as a citizen suit but does. Then, but then,
5: why, why isn't your aren't your concerns met if we? Vacate for the Court of Appeals to consider in the first instance the extent to which this regulation may bear on its
8: opinion. Well, I, I think that gets you very close to the same place, Justice Kennedy. I'm just saying there's no reason to vacate because the Ninth Circuit's point source holding is so self-evidently right uh, that I don't know why you'd go to the trouble to do that. It makes no, the case simpler the ninth, going forward.
0: The Ninth Circuit had, the, of course, EPA's views uh, before it, I don't know if I'm the Ninth Circuit. Why I would reconsider uh, my uh, ruling in light of this new regulation?
8: Do you mean the backward-looking ruling?
0: I mean the ruling in the the decision that they uh, right. issued that's well, for us today.
8: I don't know that they would reconsider that, but the no. but the main event going forward is the new rule because a citizen suit seeks cessation of ongoing violations of the Act, and that remains the core of our lawsuit. Which is, Well, still that's, we can the court,
3: t- that's the whole point, which is, if you go back, what's the value of the backward-looking construction if what you're seeking is injunctive relief that has to be based
8: on the new rule? Uh It doesn't matter very much, Justice Sotomayor. Uh, there's two ways in which it might matter a little bit. One is, if we want to press a claim for any kind of uh, civil penalties or remediation, the backward-looking thing would matter. We have to decide whether we want to do that. Uh, the second uh way it would matter would be it would provide a helpful baseline for judging the new rule uh in the totality of EPA action, which brings me to my which which brings me back to the argument I was describing, which would be our Chevron Step 2 argument. That EPA has simply uh, either left this argument open, I still it is still a mystery to us what EPA thinks about our real argument which is that active hauling logging roads, when they're being used for active harvesting and hauling, uh, are subject to the act because they're plainly associated with industrial activity. And if EPA later on came out and said, no, 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 we mean to exclude that too, then we respectfully submit EPA would still have a lot of explaining to do. First of all, we would very much wonder why log sorting, log storage, gravel washing uh, and rock crushing are industrial activities, but mechanized timber harvesting with 20 ton pieces of machinery is not. Uh, we'd also wonder why this stuff isn't industrial activity, where construction activity, landfill operations, uh, surface mining operations that have all the same attributes of being done out in the field, extraction of resources, heavy machinery, etc., are, as the EPA itself admits, uh, industrial activity. But somehow, somehow, logging which has all the same attributes, isn't. And so that's what our claim is going forward. Now, I'm not asking this Court to address that because I'm not sure this Court wants to get into all of this stuff yet, but what I am telling this Court is there's no basis whatsoever to find this case as moot, uh, uh, or I don't think this Court would want to touch any of the arguments uh, being made here uh, without further briefing, uh, at least as to the new rule. Uh, we do think it's absolutely clear we're dealing with point sources. We do think it's absolutely clear, based on the language uh, of 1369B1, that there just can't be any way that there's a jurisdictional or whatever other kind of problem you want to label it with us bringing a claim based on the statute itself. Uh, the new regulation just simply doesn't fall into those. Uh, so if this Court dismisses the case, uh, we'll go to the Ninth Circuit and tell them we want to go forward uh, for, for the following reasons. And if anybody's unhappy uh, with what happens in the Ninth Circuit, obviously uh, we can file or they can file uh, petitions for for cert to this court. Uh, let me just say one last thing to this court um, about what we view as really the arbitrary and capricious nature of EPA's new rule and why you shouldn't uh, touch it. Um, Remember, I said, and this is in EPA's regulations themselves, that construction activity, any construction activity in a site, five acres or more, uh, is industrial activity. So if a developer buys a parcel of forested land and wants to build a subdivision there, and the first thing the developer does is punch in some roads and drainage systems and cut some trees down to make room for the houses, that is covered by the EPA stormwater rules. Um, But if a logging company does precisely the same thing, EPA's position seems to be it's not covered. And not only is it not covered if it happens on public land, but I think at least the implication of my friend's position is that for logging companies, of which there are many in the Northwest, that own their own land, own their own giant pieces of forest land, and that are not open to the public, that are not open to hunters, that are not open to recreation, but they have their own logging roads on their own private lands that nobody can use but them, I still think his position is that's not covered by the Act. Um, and finally, um, EPA has one other thing that I want to point out to the Court about this new rule. Um, and it's, again, got our heads, it gets our heads scratching as to what EPA is really doing here. Um, EPA says twice in the preamble to the new rule, uh, once on page 7 uh, and also on page 12, um, that it, quote, retains the authority, uh, to designate uh, at least some logging roads uh, as covered by its so-called point uh, phase 2 system um, what the phase 2 system is is uh under section 1342p uh which is the stormwater amendments to the act uh it's the category of point source dish- discharges that epa says are not a covered are not industrial activity associated with industrial activity um, but we nonetheless um, are going to require certain things of them. This is the critical point. EPA says this twice. Well, the only authority EPA would have to regulate any logging roads, uh, discharges from logging roads, is if they're point sources. Because the, you don't get into the Phase Two program, you don't get into the stormwater amendments unless you have a point source. If it's a non-point source, then, as my friend has pointed out quite at length in his briefs, it's entirely up to the states, and EPA has nothing to say about
7: it. You know, I'm looking at page 7, and it doesn't say the authority designates additional roads. It says additional stormwater discharges. Right. A, you know, that, that, that could be stormwater discharges that have nothing to do with logging.
8: I think if that's all we had, Justice Scalia, um, it might be a little bit ambiguous, although of course this is in the context of logging roads. But look at page 12, uh, and this is the final, uh, this is the very end of, of the preamble. Uh, the last sentence: EPA believes that stormwater discharges from forest roads, including logging roads, should be evaluated under Section 402, P6. The only authority EPA has for <laughs> for doing that is if there are, if there are point sources. Whereas EPA has filed a brief in this case that says there at least some of them are not. I don't know if it's walking away from that or is planning on walking away from that. But, again, there's a variety of questions mm. I think that EPA should have to address and answer. Did you have one? I'm sorry. Uh, that EPA should have to address and answer before any court does anything uh, based on this new rule.
2: But if you were challenging the new rule, you would have EPA as your adversary. The format of this case now is we have uh, — we have Decker on one side
8: and you on the other, and the EPA is not in the lawsuit. Oh, well, EPA, of course, is an amicus, Justice Ginsburg, and EPA has an ongoing right to intervene in any citizen suit. That's a statutory right, and there's a statutory notice that any plaintiff in a citizen suit uh, is required uh, to provide to EPA, which we did provide to EPA. And so EPA has every right to intervene in the case at any point uh, as a party. Uh,
3: to intervene and dismiss the action
8: well i think that epa has a right to intervene and make an argument that the case is moot or any other substantive argument they would like to make um, back in the ninth circuit uh, and of course mootness and if, if it's genuinely moot which for all these reasons we think of course it's not um, but mootness is an article three principle that an amicus could raise in a court would be down to consider on its own. Yeah,
7: they're, they're, they're just intervening. It's, it's, it's not like uh, what happens in the, uh, uh, in, in the suits for fraud against the government where they take over the litigation. Right. They I, don't take it over. They just intervene.
8: I think that's what would happen. Yeah. I mean, you could ask them how they'd like to proceed, but I assume that's what would happen, and I assume the defendants in the case would would remain the same. So I'm happy to answer any other questions about what the case looks like or what you ought to do, but otherwise I'll submit it.
0: Thank you, counsel. Mr. Bishop, you have four minutes remaining.
1: Thank you. We're not asking you to adjudicate the new rule. You know, I'm not sure why we're hearing all of this about the, the details of the new rule. What we're asking you to do is to get rid of this case. In getting rid of this case uh, uh, on the basis of the stormwater rule, it will eliminate one of the arguments that the plaintiffs will make in a, um, in a, a, a challenge uh, to the new rule. Uh, it will simplify that challenge. What it will do is to get rid of this case um, and get rid of a Ninth Circuit opinion uh, that um, uh, really uh, put the Court in a, 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 the position of overriding what EPA has been saying consistently since 1976, consistent position uh, that uh, collected forest road runoff is not point source, and since 1980 that uh, logging is not industrial activity in these roads and not associated with industrial activity. Uh, and for my clients, that is, uh, uh, has a great deal of, of, of values, particularly since, as Mr. Fisher has admitted, what he really wants serious to be back in the Ninth Circuit uh, seeking uh, not only, apparently, um, uh r- relief uh backward looking relief but also uh prospective relief uh, if there are no further questions uh, I'll submit
0: thank you council case is submitted